0: turn in your bibles to psalm 42 we're going to be looking at two psalms psalm 42 and psalm 43 and as you're turning there or turning on your screen or whatever you're looking at uh, this morning as you turn to the passage um, my dad i've mentioned this to some of you in the the past but my dad used to get this look on uh, his face every now and then and we all knew what was coming It's time for a family meeting, and we would gather together for a family meeting, everybody, all the kids, mom, dad, and we would talk about something serious. And we would be honest with one another, and back and forth, and and back and forth. And there are certain passages in the Bible that I kind of refer to as family meeting passages passages that really hit us where we live and challenge us deal with hard things and when i read this passage today you're you're going to notice somebody who's going through something hard somebody who's going through something hard these two psalms uh, 42 and 43 were originally one psalm we don't know how they got separated but here's my challenge to you as we read it together this morning have you ever been there have you ever been there do you recognize any of this now this is an ancient piece of literature But it's for us today. It's the power of God unto salvation, and the Holy Spirit will be here as we read. But have you ever been there? Does it resonate, any of it? Do you recognize any of it? I think you will. I think you will. Let's pray before we read. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the power of God unto salvation. We thank you that it is something that we can cling to in an uncertain world. It is true. It is real. It is life-changing. And It is for us. Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to bring this very word into our minds and into our hearts and challenge us and change us and grow us and transform us and bless us. We thank you for the gift of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mazar, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock... Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. while well, they say to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. Vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling. And I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. I will praise you with the lyre. O God, my God, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. What do you do when times get tough? When things are hard? You may be in junior high. You may be in high school. You may be in college. You may be single. You may be married. You may be older. You may be younger. You may be a visitor. You may be a longtime member. You may be somebody who doesn't even know that you're a Christian or not. You may be wrestling, you may be struggling, you may be seeking, or maybe you've been a Christian for a long, long time. This is for you. This prayer, this psalm, is for you. You know, we don't have a God that when tough, time come, tough times come, who says, just suck it up. He's there for us. And yes, He does say, follow me, trust me, love me. But He does more than that. He shows us how. He shows us how. That's where the Psalms come in. You know what the Psalms do? The Psalms teach us to live through and to pray through And to grow through virtually every circumstance that comes our way in life. They teach us how to live through it. How to pray our way through it. How to grow our way through it. Any circumstance. There's 150 of them right at the center of the Bible. And they deal with virtually every experience that you could have in life. And they're all prayers. They're all prayers. I had somebody contact me the other day and say, you know, I'm, I'm having a Psalm 10 day. As some of you know, that's not a good day. Anybody ever had a Psalm 23 day? <laughs>
1: Anybody ever had a Psalm 51 day?
0: Lord. Forgive me, change me, use me. Anybody ever had a Psalm 95 or a Psalm 100 day? Thank you, praise you. Full of joy and celebration and thanksgiving. The Psalms show us, they teach us. Time after time after time, how to live through this, how to pray through this, and how to grow through this, whatever it is for you today, whatever it is. Somebody once said that most of the Bible speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us, and how true that is. The Psalms speak for us. Time and time again. And here we see somebody struggling. Somebody going through a hard time. When things go wrong. And here's how he prays. I'm going to summarize it this way. Lord. Lord. Give me hope. Give me hope. Help me to remember. And lead me to worship. A summary of this prayer, Lord, Lord give, give me, me hope. hope. help, help me, to me, me to remember, lead me to worship. worship. You can you take, take that, you know sometimes we say that 'll preach, preach. that 'll pray. pray that'll, that'll pray. pray. Use it, give me hope. Notice that, that the writer we don 't know who he is is not questioning the existence of God. This isn't about apologetics or defending the faith. He's not questioning whether God is real or not. It's not even about confession of sin. There are a lot of Psalms that, that address and walk us through confession of sin. There's really no confession of sin here. He's not angry with God. You know what's going on here? He's lost a concrete, palpable, real sense of God's presence in his life. Ever been there? He wants God's presence in his heart, in his life. He's spiritually dry. Ever been there? As a deer pants for flowing streams, my soul thirsts for God. When can I come appear before God? He gives this vivid picture of a deer going back to the stream bed where it usually drinks and there's no water. It's dry. The water's gone. And he's thirsty. He is affected spiritually. He's dry. He wants a sense of God's presence in his life. But there's more than that. He's being affected emotionally, psychologically. He's he's disillusioned on the inside and on the outside. On the inside, my soul is downcast within me. Ever been there? My soul is downcast within me. And from the outside, there are those who are saying, well, you must have done something wrong. What would you do wrong? You must not be praying enough or going to church enough or memorizing the Bible enough or claiming the promises or on and on and on. Where is your God? Where's this God? You ever heard that? Where's this God you're always talking about? Where's your God? He's disillusioned. And it's also, you can see, it's it's affecting him physically. and And we know what he's talking about. My tears have been my food day and night. Not eating, not sleeping. We know that there's a... A a very real physical aspect to to struggling. To not having God's presence in our lives. He goes on. He's completely overwhelmed. Deep calls to deep. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. It's coming at me in waves. I need you. Give me hope. Ever been there? There are those who would come back at you and answer in a couple of ways when you're going through things like this. There are those who would say, look, there's no God out there. Give it up. You're praying into the air. You're just physical. You know what will fix you? Medicine. A pill. Now, there's nothing wrong with medicines and pills. I'm, I'm all for medicine and pills. But you've got to have more than that. There are those who say, no, that, that'll fix it. Then there are those who would say this quit sniveling, suck it up, try harder, be more disciplined. Not all bad. But never enough. Not all bad. But never enough. Good to be disciplined. And then, then there are those who would come along and just affirm you. Wherever you are and in whatever you're doing. And affirm you right over the cliff. Truth matters. Truth matters. And sometimes if we love somebody enough, we say, stop it, or I'm here for you, or let's pray. Let's see what he does. Notice what he does. First of all, this is huge. (laughs) He's honest with God. You don't have to clean yourself up to come into the presence of God. I can't, I can't talk to God like that. I, no, yes, you can. He knows your heart better than you know your heart. You might as well open up. That's what He's doing. If you don't feel God's love, tell Him you don't feel His love. If you need His presence, tell Him you need His presence. If you're angry with Him, tell Him you're angry with Him. Pray. Pray. You can't know somebody you don't talk to. You can't know somebody you don't talk to. What's your prayer life like? Not a bad place to start. He's honest with God. He's not praying from where he thinks he should be. He's praying from where he actually is. I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm thirsting, I'm panting, (laughs) give me hope. He's honest with God. But also notice, he's honest with himself. He's examining what he puts his hope in. You know, there's no better time, if you are lacking a sense of God's presence in your life, there's no better time to think about, I wonder what I'm putting my hope in. There's no better time to evaluate that. And you'll notice all the way through, he's talking to God and talking to himself. That gives me great comfort because I'm one of these people that talks to myself all the time. Walk over the house talking to myself. Yeah, Cindy from the other room, she'll say, Brad, what are you saying? Talking to yourself is a sign of good mental health. According to this psalm. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you downcast? Why are you struggling the way you are? It's an opportunity to realize, you know, maybe I am not my greatest hope. Maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe it's not all about me. It's a great time to evaluate what you're putting your hope in, but to remember, to remember the promises. Remember Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Lord, give me hope. Give me hope. Next, help me to remember. Help me to remember. He does a couple of things. He deliberately brings to mind all of the experiences that he's had in the past. Don't miss this. All the experiences he's had in the past with God's people all the joy and fellowship and celebrating that he's had with God's people. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Verse 4, I would go with the throng and lead them up in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and feasts and festivals and celebrating with God's people. I remember that. I remember that. I remember the great festivals. I remember one of the first things I ever saw at Highlands. You know, if you haven't been around Highlands very long, Highlands is the kind of place that likes to celebrate and likes to fellowship and likes to be, be with one another. Uh, one of the first experiences I had... I don't think I'd even decided to come here yet, but I came anyway. And I came and I saw a talent show. And we used the word talent very loosely. And it was just goofy and funny and laughter and fellowship and being together. And I remember Devin Kahn. Devin Kahn is our junior high coordinator. He helped in the service earlier, he was right there, he did like two backflips. This is my kind of church. Now he's old and stodgy and married, about to have a baby and he can't do backflips anymore. But he's remembering, celebrating, being with God's people, festivals, feasts, fun, worship, He calls that to mind. He's saying, don't don't forget that. Past experiences with God's people. But he's also remembering, he takes the time to remember past experiences with God himself. He remembers, okay, what's God done for me in the past? He deliberately ask that question, what's God done for me in the past? And if, you, if you've just been a Christian for a short time or a long time, you can do this. Verse 6 of 42, 42, 6. Therefore I remember you. And in verse 8, God's steadfast love, His hesed, His His covenant love, the love, the gift love that He places upon me And never takes back, that never deserts me, that never leaves me. He calls God my rock. God, my rock, I remember your people, I remember you, and I do it deliberately, deliberately, in the midst of struggle. Remember God's people. Remember God and where he has been and what he has done for you in the past. And then he does something that that we probably don't, don't do enough. He teaches or preaches to himself. You know, your emotions come and go. They go up and down, your feelings come and go, they go up and down, your heart will deceive you. Your emotions will deceive you. Your feelings will at times deceive you. And what he does here, it's almost as though he takes his heart by the scruff of the neck and says, that's not true. He says this, Hope in God. Hope in God. Listen, heart. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. This is what's true of me. We read it earlier in the service. One of the wonderful, the the most wonderful promises of the entire Bible. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Heart. (laughs) Heart. emotions feelings who shall separate us from the love of christ tribulation no distress no persecution no famine no nakedness no danger no sword no 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 in all these things although we may not feel it At the time, although we may not feel it at the time. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. which comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's true, heart, feelings, emotions. He does this. Uh, He reminds himself. He preaches to himself. He teaches to himself. Give me hope. Help me to remember. And then finally, lead me to worship. This psalm has a heading. We didn't read it, but it has a heading, a maskal of the sons of Korah. Now, maskal probably means something like instruction for living, instruction in wisdom, how to live. And the sons of Korah are the temple musicians. They're the ones, they're the worship team. They're the ones that 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 led the people in worship through music. And we don't know all the details, but somehow he has been separated from the temple, separated from the presence of God in the temple, up north somewhere. He's, He's in exile, surrounded by hostile pagans. But he knows he is made for and needs worship. He misses worship. Remember years ago reading C.S. Lewis's little book, A Grief Observed. And he wrote it, if any of you have ever um, read it or you're aware of it, he wrote it after the death of his wife to to go through the grieving process. It's kind of a journal of the grieving process. And he begins by raging against God. It's a very unsettling book, if you've you've ever read it. Very honest. Kind of like a lot of Psalms. Very honest. And he begins by kind of raging against God. And then, as he gets toward the middle of the book, he looks back and says, you know, I'm looking back at what I first wrote. And I'm appalled. Because it all seems to be about Me. I'm not thinking about other people. I'm not thinking about God. It all seems to be about me, and as he moves forward in this journal, he realizes, you know, I I need to lift my eyes up. I need to lift my palms up. I need to put my knees down, and I need to worship. And I want to worship. And I hunger and thirst for worship. Send out your light and your truth and lead me, he says. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling, to your altar. And I will praise you in the midst of the pain. In the midst of something going wrong. Lead me to worship. I know that's what I'm made for. I know I'm made. To fix my eyes on you. Lead me to worship. Rescue me. Take me there. And light and truth here are. Come to us sort of under this. This image of a search and rescue party. Come and find me with your light and truth. Lead me to worship. You know, there are those who would say that your faith, Christians, is just a leap into the dark. It's just a leap into the dark, it's blind faith. No, it's just the opposite it's a leap into the light the light of joy and fulfillment and contentment and celebration and salvation and worship that only comes in Jesus Christ. Come and get me by your light and truth. Rescue me. I noticed that... um, one of my favorite search and rescue stories was in the news this last week. There was a poll, and I know this is kind of a guy thing, but there's, there's some of you women that like this kind of stuff, but hang with me. There was a poll, what's your favorite war movie? And they gave this list, this long list of, you know, what your favorite war movies uh, are, what your very favorite is, and It was gratifying to know that that a movie that had had great influence on me a few years ago, and I just think it's great. It's rough, kind of rough to watch, but it ended up on top. Saving Private Ryan. It's a book about rescue. It's a book about saving somebody. It's a book about giving up your life for somebody else. It's a, book about, it's a book and a movie about shedding your blood for somebody else. And if you know about the story, a mother had four sons. It's World War II is the setting. A mother has four sons. She's lost three of them. She's lost three of them. And the army decides, look, we can't, this mother can't lose all four sons. We've got to go get the fourth one and get him home and get him out of there and save him, rescue him. So they gather some army rangers led by Captain Miller, who's Tom Hanks, and they're sent behind the lines to save Private Ryan, to rescue him, to go get him, to bring him home, to bring him safety. To safety, to bring him home to his family. And they do. And several of them do die and shed their blood, and they eventually find Private Ryan. And the very last battle scene of, of the movie, they have rescued Private Ryan. And Captain Miller, the Tom Hanks character, has been shot and he's dying. He, he's dying. And he looks at Private Ryan as he's dying. He's given his life for this guy. He shed his blood for this guy. And he draws him close and he says this. And he kind of whispers it. And you've got to lean in. And you, Earn this. Earn it. And he dies. What that do to Private Ryan's life? His whole life, the rest of his life, he lives under this burden of earning it and living up to it. And years later, as an older man, he goes back to the cemetery there in Normandy with his family, and he wants to find the, the grave. Of Captain Captain Miller. And he does. And he does. It's shaped like a cross. And he comes up before this cross. And he drops to his knees. And says. I will never forget what you said to me that day on the bridge. And my entire life. I've been trying to live up to it. I will never forget it. And then he says, I hope that at least in your eyes that I have earned what you did for me. And he stands up and his eyes are filling with tears, and he looks at his wife and he says, Tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a good person. Yeah, you you are. You're a good person. You see where we're going with this? It's the gospel in reverse. Jesus Christ comes to you, pulls you close, and says, I've earned it. I have shed my blood, I have saved you, I have rescued you, and I have earned it. You don't have to. My life for you. My blood for yours. I will take on your burdens. You know, Jesus heard the mocking, didn't he? Didn't he? Where's your God? Come down from the cross, save yourself. You saved others, you can't save yourself. And finally, finally, he loses the Father's presence so that we won't. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He loses the the, the very presence of his Father so that we never will. Hebrews 12.3 says, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not Grow weary and lose heart. We're about to stand and sing about the gospel (laughs) Uh, in Christ alone. And one of the stanzas we're going to sing is this. We're going to sing all all four verses, all four stanzas. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I stand. Here in the power of Christ, I stand. Let's pray. Lord, give us hope. Give us hope in Jesus Christ through good times and bad, through ups and downs, through dark and light. Give us hope. Help Help us us to remember, to remember all you have done in and for your people and all that you have done for us. Help us to remember and lead us, lead us to worship in every circumstance, every up, every down. We're thankful, Lord, that you don't just tell us to do certain things without showing us how. We pray that we would love your word and you would continue to show us how. How we can know you. We can live for you. We can pray to you. And we can grow. We pray all of these things in the name of him who came such a great distance for us, our Lord Jesus. Amen.